Hey everybody, my name is Alex, and you're listening to Lunchbox Radio. Now, if I sound odd, that's because I'm in untreaded waters. For a while now, I'm recording this a little bit in advance of the night it comes out, which, stunner, I know, I made a good planning decision instead of a very bad one. <laughs> but thanks to everybody who's been listening to all my podcasts. A lot more people have been listening to them, and I just wanted to say thanks because I really appreciate you guys listening to me ramble about anime and anime-related topics on the internet. I'm not even sure I would do that, so thank you. However, today we're going to talk about something a bit... We're going to talk about something that's... Not entirely anime-related, but I once I get into it, I think you'll understand why I want to talk about it. And that's a little book called Tokyo Vice by Jake Adelstein. Now, for um, many of the people listening to this, you may or may not have ventured out into the greater media about Japan or surrounding or Japanese media. I mean, we've probably all on some level seen Japanese game shows or are familiar with them because um, they, they're depicted in anime often, but they are also, but until fairly recently, probably... The way that you that we see anime trailers were devoid of like the nonsense that happens around anime trailers lots of times. What I mean by that is like the boxes of text and like all this other like ad within ad nightmare scenario that happens on Japanese TV not infrequently. But something that Something that is somewhat uncommon in the in the in the space anime occupies in entertainment is for people to really branch out into other forms of entertainment, um, either Japanese entertainment or entertainment that is primarily concerned with Japan, and that's for a bunch of reasons. The main one is the anime fandom as a whole, and I've talked about this before on my Sunday shows, is fairly young. And there's just not, and because it's so young, because the lifespan is about two years, there's just not a lot of time to, like, get past the huge of, like, seemingly never-ending sea of anime that you can go watch. So why would you bleed out of that into something like, um... 
an obscure book that was written as a life ins- as a impromptu life insurance policy piece about a about the first American reporter in the press corps for the um in the um Yamanori Shinbun's police press corps. And that's what Tokyo Vice is. Is it is this it was published in two thousand nine by Jake Adelstein, who you can literally just go follow on Twitter. He's still a reporter. I follow him on Twitter. Um he tweets things that are like, Oh, this is this is odd. Why are you trying to get God again, dude? But the long and short of it is that Tokyo Vice is this chronicling of Jake Adelstein's career as the first American um, reporter in the for the Yamane Shimbun, ultimately working in the Tokyo Metropolitan Police Department press corps. And if you don't have any idea of how um, reporting works in other countries that are not America, America is unique in that we have a freedom of speech and freedom of press. And what that means is if anybody can say anything they want and the press can kind of do anything to get at the story they want to do. Um, this fucks us up because we end up with nightmare situations like Fox News, um, we end, or Breitbart, or any number of, like, under the banner of free press, some people can do some dirty bullshit, but what it also means is when there is a scandal, when there is a crime or something... The press attack it like crows attack a garbage pile. And that's because no one's going, like, they can get information from the police, but that's not the interesting stuff they want or will be able to get access to if they pry on the right people. And one of the best things that Tokyo Vice does is it just takes that whole concept and just kind of shoves it out a window. (laughs) Because... Jake Alcine does a really good job of saying, like, this is how the this is how being a reporter of this kind works in Japan because the police the police have very strict rules about the flow of information for for safety reasons and for just control of information reasons because oftentimes and this happens in. America all the time. If you've ever read an article in the paper and someone is withholding, says, uh, like, the law enforcement has asked not has asked me not to reveal this, this subject's name or, or identity because of ongoing investigations, that means that the cops reached out to the, reached out to that reporter and said, look, th- we're still digging up bodies. Like, you gotta give us time. If this information comes out, it it cuts that clock in half. Can you work with us? The difference here, the difference there is that it's not a can you work with us thing for the Tokyo Metropolitan Police, which is that's a mouthful, but abbreviated the TMPD. It's an order. It's like an order of the state to 
actors who don't really have a choice, who they can who can be put in jail if necessary. And so the way reporting happens in Tokyo, in not just Tokyo, but in Japan as a whole, is very different because it's not there's no freedom of speech, there's no press protection in the way you would imagine them. And the the book does a re- the book and Jake by extension does a really fabulous job of demonstrating that core difference. It also takes you through a few moments of like um the the deep cultural differences at the, the time right at the time of this book it's set in is like the mid nineties, like nineteen ninety five era. And like they he touches on things early on like um the Japanese societies at the time, I'm not entirely sure if it's true now, but I wouldn't be surprised. Um obsession with manuals, like the manual life, which is there are manuals on how to best achieve everything in Japanese society, even suicide. And the first story Jake covers is about this, like, guide to how to commit responsible suicide, or whatever it's called. And he... The book starts off in this dark place. And it... It ends in a more hopeful place, but it ends in a less... It ends certainly in a precarious place at the time. Because the thing you have to know is what I said at the opening of this podcast is very true. He wrote this book to make sure that one of the top Yakuza bosses in Tokyo would not just murder him. And... He, and that's, and that's, and that story is weak, and you get very, like, he takes you through a huge amount of his career because he really wants you to understand how he got from, like, reporting on, like, Yakuza shaken down street carts in the boonies to reporting on human trafficking in um the in the like red light district of Tokyo and got on the shit list of one of the world's top of one of the most notorious yakuza bosses in the world it it, it not just actually in the world like he's on FBI watch lists and shit and he does a great job of contextualizing it, but he also does a great job of, like, creating these characters who you always remember. Like, he creates this, I forget the um, guy's name, the guy's actual name, but his, like, his mob name was The Cat, and he is this, he is this very kind of quiet, restrained, Yakuza, like, captain who becomes indebted to Jake because Jake gave him information that could save his life. And he becomes this, like, 
just kind of dude that Jake can go to and Jake can ask questions. And he's like, with very few exceptions, he's like, this is what I know. Hey, you want a lady? I, I got ladies. I owe you still. The debt is not paid. And I think until a key point in the book at which he said, like, listen, if I give you this information, that's it. Like, I've given you the kind of information you you gave me years ago. We're even. And that's one of the parts of the book that, like, where it shit turns real, so to speak, or realer than it was before that. And the thing about... The thing about good anime is that it's really about good story and good the good craft of storytelling, and you can apply that in any medium at all. If you've seen, um, what's that, Yakuza, um, school manga, oh, Yakuza, um, the, anyway, the, um, Yakuza, um, the old, the old OVA where this daughter of a Yakuza boss becomes a teacher at this rowdy, at this rowdy good-for-nothing high school, and she, like, whips the kids into shape, and you see these, like, Yakuza characters who are portrayed as totally unthreatening to the viewer. They're just, like, dudes. Because the their the main character's family or like the main character has grown up knowing these like bruisers her entire life and she's just like, They're fine, they're fucking morons, don't worry about them. I don't care if you wear a white suit, you're an idiot. You've always been an idiot. And to a degree, the way that Jake molds the characters in this thing, they have some of the same qualities. Like, he replaces all the names because he wants to protect identities, especially since he's writing this book specifically so he can have a life insurance policy and he doesn't want to hang anybody else out to dry throughout the process. And But when he talks about these characters you meet from, like, Yakuza characters he meets in hospitals, from um, the cat to you know, girls he meets in strip clubs, girls he meets in milk bars, which are not what you think it is, um, although maybe it is. All these different characters, they all feel like they have this lived-in experience in life that isn't present for a lot of... that, that isn't present for some other things. Like, he... One of the recurring characters in this show, in this um, book, is this um, police is this police officer in his fifties, and Jake, and part of the like part of reporting to in Japan in the way you get informa- privileged information is basically you buy beer, bring it to a police officer's home, and you get them real drunk, and you pump them. And it's a the way Jake the way Jake describes it in the book. It's a tradition. 
And so he starts doing this with this one like police officer in his 50s who is the um the who is the who who in Jake's words is this is described as this um character who if he wasn't a um if he wasn't if he wasn't a cop he would probably be a pretty accomplished member of of the family so to speak or a pretty accomplished yakuza don by now and it's because he has, um, and I think the character's name is Seki, is Sekiguchi, and it's because Sekiguchi has the like build and demeanor of like a yakuza boss and like a or like a high rank ranking member of a branch of a yakuza family. And the other thing that Jake says is that there's this agreement between the police and the yakuza because. Because of the way the Yakuza, and I'm going to get into a little bit of, like, Japanese history here, but because of the way the Yakuza came to be, there is a certain amount of national pride, because oftentimes Yakuza are now, um, Korean, Korean Japanese who didn't fit into society. But the way that the Yakuza came up is... After the, um, in the, after the, like, super feudal parts of Japanese history came the Meiji era. And the Meiji era was a, and this is, if you want more information to see what the Meiji era was most likely like, I know the creators of friggin' child porn collecting shitbag, but go watch, um, Roni Kenshin, because that really captured the Meiji era fairly well. And it is this time of westernization. It is this time of de-escalation throughout the country of Japan. And it is also a time where if you were samurai and you didn't join the military and you weren't, like, part of, like, the police corps, you didn't have much of a place to go. And so oftentimes samurai kind of, like, coalesced into the, like, very, into what was considered the very first, like, form of the Yakuza as we remember the Yakuza. And so there is an honor system to the Yakuza, and Jake does a really good job of demonstrating, like, hey, with characters like the cat, that honor system, like, is really strong, it's really valuable, but with characters like the boss who he ends up running afoul of, but I want to say the middle half, by the middle of the book, that character is way more bloodthirsty and way more willing to just cut a bitch. And... But with Sekiguchi and with the, like, introduction of the police into this whole dynamic, he talks about the unspoken agreement 
that the cops have with the Yakuza in that, like, we don't look too hard, you don't do anything, as long as you don't do anything too bad. And part of the reason why that exists is because there are few other places in the world where the crime organization will show up to, like, shovel out after an earthquake, will show up to, like, make sure people get food and food lines if something bad happens. Uh, and this happens every time there's a some sort of natural disaster or crisis in Japan is you inevitably see articles of, like, yo, the Yakuza just showed up, like, full force to just dig out this old lady's house. Sight unseen, no strings attached, we're just here to be part of the community. And... They do, and don't get me wrong, they are criminal organizations, they do a lot of bad. But there is a, this, like, communal countryman mentality that flows through the Yakuza that Jake really manages to capture in the book. And another thing that he talks about is he talks about the different levels of Yakuza in a way that, at least before, I'd never really encountered. Um, I think probably the best way you can find this is... I did a friggin' episode on it. Um, there's a show... Um, the show about the alien girl and the, like, Yakuza adopted dad. I forget what it's called, but... In that show, the Yakuza character is the Yakuza character who you meet initially in um, in that first episode. Is he's like a he's not a corporate he's not a corporate Yakuza guy, but he's close. He instead of doing like instead of loan sharking for the Yakuza or like. Correcting, uh, collecting rent, or um, I think it's called Gokudai, which is slang for rent, out on the street. He is just selling high-end art on behalf of the Yakuza and making them piles of money. And that's not that's not super uncommon. There are corporate there are corporations with a backing of just shady illegal Yakuza shit. One of the biggest fam Yakuza families in Japan runs an idol runs an idol comp runs a um, idol talent agency that's very successful. All of the and one of the things because Jake wants you to understand how he got to the point where like I should really like I should write this fucking book so I don't get stabbed um, is that he needs you to understand the, like, organization, organizing principles of the Yakuza in a way that didn't, that it wouldn't be super necessary in, like, an anime. And wouldn't be super obvious to people who hadn't just seen these dudes walking the fuck around in Tokyo. Because I, the way... The Yakuza are, for all intents and purposes, the Japanese ver version of the American Mafia. And 
the the yakuza are form like the the style of the yakuza is ripped from old american gangster movies and american gangsters in general like they have they base their swagger on that with like a slight like a like one step from like a several step removed kind of skew and so in the same way that like if you live in a neighborhood with like a mob with like a mob like a mafia headquarters in it you know like where to not hang out and that's true of the yakuza but the thing about it is, is that the yakuza especially at the time of this book has started to establish front businesses where it was a normal seeming business and employed normal seeming like receptionists and all that crap but with young run by the Japanese mob and Jake the other reason why Jake takes you through these through this through this like timeline of his career is to show you how many times he he just as a normal Tokyo Metropolitan Police reporter encountered the mob and how often he started writing about it before he recognized that something funky was happening in Kabukicho, which is the like name of the red light di- the infamous red light district of Tokyo. And he has the has the acumen and understanding and source network to go um to go ahead and write about it. The other thing about this about Jake as a character in his own book is he is not he doesn't know he come off smelling like roses. He, he he openly admits to certain things in his book that if like he wanted a good relationship with his wife, he wouldn't admit to like or he wanted to be perceived as a person who maybe hadn't slept with a prostitute or two, he wouldn't admit to. And he does a good job of like making him and his wife's relationship clear. And he does a good, and how that, and how the function of that relationship, it is clear. And he also does a good job of making sure that he's, that he's an actual character in his book, not the person who you're following who's also telling you the story, which is a thing that can happen sometimes. It can feel less like, you know, first-person narrative fiction can feel less like they're actively participating and more like they're almost Ferris Buellering their way through it. Like, they are telling you the story, but they stop while holding the football and, like, wink at the camera. There's none of that in this, um, in in Tokyo Vice. It, I don't know if it was ever made, because I never saw heads or tails of it. But I know it was optioned for um for a for a um 
for a for a uh what's it called for a uh TV for at very least TV series for very least a movie very most a TV series and when I say very least a a movie and very most a TV series because sometimes it's just easier to make a movie yo um. But looking when I when I look on the IMDb here, it says that there there's no there's nothing there's people attached to it, but there's no there's no anything other than that. So actually, there might be something other than that. I should go check this out since I love this book so much. But it's. And another reason why I like this book is because it's it's the kind of story we don't get often in anime because anime, by virtue of the fact that it's animation, has so much more ability to tell a story than just trap it within the confines of of like uh, of reality. That in order to tell, like, you would have to do, you, there would be so much opportunity for, like, flair and weirdness and, like, uh, just all kinds of odd things in the Tokyo Vice story that I think the thing you might end up with would look an awful lot like that show Psychopath because... Psychopath can has the framework to deal with a lot of the same things that um, Tokyo Vice ends up dealing with, but it the beauty of Tokyo Vice is that Jake spends time in like the seedy underbelly of Tokyo for such a significant part of his career that it feels like that the the neighbor like the neighborhood of um Kabukicho is its own character and it the best way I can the best way I can describe what I feel like Kabukicho is in this book is if you've ever been to 8th Avenue um, in New York City at night, when all the fun weird shit is open, like the strip clubs, the adult stores, the like the adult stores, the ones only this time they have like twenty five cents for live nude ladies in it. The other adult, there's lots of adult storage and strip clubs along 8th Avenue in New York. It's like, basically, for, for a period of time, it was basically porn a row. But, also another very specific thing about 8th Avenue, especially since it runs next to Times Square and 7th Avenue, which are both super trafficked just parts of New York City, is that when New York was still, when New York City was still opening, you would want, and I, I have plenty of stories of this. 
you would walk, you'd just be walking down the street and like you take a flyer from some dude, you take a drift club ticket from some dude, you put them in the track because you want them to see them go home and you feel bad. But then you'd like get a guy who'd just be like, hey, hey man, I got coke, I got weed, I got speed. What you want? And like in that moment, you could make all of these decisions that could go very bad. And it New York has changed a lot since I was a kid. And I was I was born in New York City. I grew up, but I grew up for various reasons in New Jersey. But when I was a kid, New York was still like ready to knife a son of a bitch at any point in its in, in that person's existence. Like if you stepped wrong, just knife in the side. Absolutely. But the and that's a lot of that got cleaned up. But New York's still gonna New York. If you are not just savvy enough to be like, no, weird man, I will not buy Coke from you today. You could get you like New York is still ready to stab the shit out of you. And New York is still seedy as hell and like it's just the it's the way cities can be and can get. And I guess the best way I would put it is Tokyo Vice does a great job of selling of selling the vision of a piece of Tokyo that looks more like the 8th Avenue version of Tokyo than the um than the like that looks more Eighth Avenue E in its in its representation, and it. But what it also does is it also places a character who is Caucasian and American in all of this. So like you early on, you see his interaction with his colleague, and you like hear his boss be like, "Hey, yeah, you know how they told you bring like porn in? Don't do it." You'll just get arrested. They'll get arrested. It'll be a problem. Because Jake has access to American porn that is not censored. And it, it's really, it, it's just a fascinating read. If you if you've, have ever liked a more procedural mystery anime, or you've ever liked a more, like, down-to-earth, like, crime anime, like, um, perfect example is Jormungand, if you've, if you like Jormungand, if you like Black Lagoon, if you like, um, 80 Police, um, stuff like that, where it's, like, there's a real crime, if you liked, um, that, Hakata Tokansu Ramen Show from a couple seasons ago, from a bunch of seasons ago at this point. Um, you'll probably like Tokyo Vice. I have both read it and listened to it as an audiobook. 
the great thing about the audiobook is Jake actually reads it. So at least the version you can get on Audible. But I just really like the whole... It, it feels it feels the most it feels the most like rock walking down the street as Revy follows him and like repickpockets his wallet from little kids who pickpocket him in black in black lagoon Roberta's blood blood trail that I've ever experienced outside of a black lagoon property. Actually, it probably um, feels even more like that, even more like the um, manga arc, which I the the manga is like a, an arc ahead of the Roberta's Blood Trail stuff, but um, I forget what exactly that arc is called. But it feels most like it feels most like the like rock walking the streets of Ruanapur. And like using all the information he's getting from all the different sources to like do something with it that I've ever encountered outside of that core thing. And that's a very cool, super difficult to um, grasp and control and think through as a story device. And I think the reason why it's why it, why the book works so well is because it is written by a reporter as written as written by a reporter who kind of learned how to be a reporter through the process of the events that you, that are laid out from in front of the book in the book because when this book starts he doesn't know like his colleagues need to be like here's how you write a fucking headline moron like I'm glad I'm glad you went and you got a degree from like some school I don't care about. Here's how you write a headline. Here's how you do this. Here's how you do that. Here's how like here's the layout software. This is why this needs to be 500 words. Um, your kanji is shit. Don't bother. <laughs> like write it in katakana if you need to. We'll fucking fancy it up. Don't fucking worry about it. And it. For him to go from that to human trafficking and more than that, human organ trafficking is a very different, it's like, a, it's a very good arc. And he does a good job of, like, putting in tone foreshadowing all throughout this thing so you can get a feel for what's coming. I mean, the book... Starts with that um, um, manual for perfect suicide, but it, but even before that, where it really starts is, he just sees a man on fire in the park. Like that's just the thing he sees, and it. It uses, like foreshadowing in forms of tone, and like it creates a clear path of how he got from point A to B to C all the way down to Z. And that's a that's something that a very good storyteller, but also good 
reporter knows how to do and knows how to re- do for an audience. And like I said, if you like anything like Jormungand, Hakata Tokansu Ramen, um, Black Lagoon, or any of those like really cool underworld anime, then you'll probably like Tokyo Vice. And you can find it kind of wherever you find books on the internet. So definitely go check it out. If you liked this episode, I know it had it been normal, I didn't talk about an anime thing. Um, you can subscribe in whatever you can listen to me right now. Share this podcast with your friends. That really helps the show. Um, rate and review it on iTunes or wherever you're listening. Five-star reviews super help. But until Sunday, I've been Alex. You've been listening to Lunchbox Radio, and I will talk to you on Sunday.